Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners and welcome to episode 12 of the podcast. We're back. Uh, sorry we've been away for a bit, but I'm joined by Brownie and Sam Whedon for this one. We're going to look back over the start of the season. Got a few things to rate out of 10. We're going to look ahead to January and there'll be a few other bits and bobs as well. So enjoy. Boys, it's good to be back. It's been a while. Sam, how are you? You've been well? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm all good, thank you. Good. Brownie, how are you, mate? Yeah, all Good. Good. Yeah. Feels like I've not seen you both for ages. Well, it has been what two weeks since we last recorded. Were either of you on that episode? No, I wasn't. I think I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> What's happened was since then? Oh yeah, yeah post Blackpool. Yeah, I was on that. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was very upbeat. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just on that. I think uh, the less said about my drunken outburst, the better. And <laughs> um, note to self on that as well <laughs> yeah boys this is going to be a slightly different episode we, we just look back at the start of the season obviously results up until the Millwall game have been very good three wins in a week uh, then the Millwall game happened but yeah we're at the World Cup right now so I think it's probably worth looking back at the start of the season as a whole and I think the, the first point, the first question for you boys is, how do you look back at it? How do you rate it? If you were to give it a rating out of 10. Uh, me personally, I think I'd give it a 6. It might be. I know I've tended to sit myself towards the fen- on the fence of, you know, not being that impressed with the below and not being that impressed with how the clubs run, which I'm sure will come on to, you know, them two individually. But I think, obviously, the positive you're looking at is being joint six, I think you tweeted it, Brownie. I think you'd be daft not to have accepted that at the start of the season, considering you know there was a lot of uproar around. You know, the manager made it quite clear what he's four in. Only got the two of them, so we felt like we we're under equipped going into the season. So you know, to be joint six going into the World Cup is probably positive. But I think there's a lot more sort of to it than that. I think the performance levels have obviously not been great. I think that's part of the bad design. Obviously, since we've not brought the players in to maybe fit the system that Lowe sort of wanted to play, but. I give it a six overall. I don't think we'll end up, you know, in the end of the season where we are now. But I think you'd be daft at the same time not to have accepted this at the start of the season. Yeah, I think um, I think I'd probably score it higher. I think yeah, obviously, if you'd asked me the question after the Blackpool game, it would have been a lot different. But I think the last week or so, not the last week, the last um, the last few games up until the Millwall game, because I don't think you know it is a tough league in terms of. There's a lot of teams quite similar, and I think you are going to get you know are going to lose games. It's just it's just inevitable. But I think, like you say, I think if someone had said to me we'd be ninth after the way the transfer window ended, um, 
I would have, you know, I would have snapped my hands off for it. And we're nearly halfway through the season and to be in the top half, up around the playoffs. Um, you know, he's kind of back on the club now in terms of, all right, we kind of got away with it at the end of the last window. But, you know, what are they going to do in January? How will things look at the end of January? Um, but, yeah, I think I'd probably give it probably give it a seven, to be fair. Um, and the onus is now on the club, really, to, to strengthen those areas that we do need to strengthen. Because, I mean, you look at the game on Saturday... You know, Millwall had a striker who scored a hat trick. You know, they actually went and spent some money on, um, and we don't really have that um, extra body up at the top of the pitch um, in terms of, you know, to bring off the bench or change a game. So, so yeah, I'd probably say it's a seven because I think I think Lowe's turned it around in the last few weeks, um, and and you know, I'm, I'm reasonably happy with where we are. Yeah, I think, and we're not just ninth either. You know, we're joint. On, we're joining sixth, essentially. What? Tied we're ninth. Well, we're yeah, we are. We're ninth, <laughs> but we're, we're we're level on points with what three three sides above us, four sides above us, whatever it is. Can't do the maths. Um, and I'm with you, Brownie. I think I, I'd give it a seven out of ten. If maybe we'd have won, you know, you look back to the start of the season, the Rotherham game, the Hull game, there two that spring to mind that we dominated. We just didn't take our chances. Could not find the back of the net for love and money. And I, I think if if you if you're looking at two wins there, and we're six points better off, we'd be fourth in the table. Take the Blackpool result out. I dare say, perhaps the mood wouldn't be as sort of meh as it is at the minute. I don't think it's necessarily overly negative at the moment, but I don't think people are sort of jumping with joy either i think it's just very okay yeah we've done a good job we've got to where we are whether that's by more by luck than by design or you know obviously people at the club will argue different i'm not i'm not saying either way what it is or isn't but yeah i think seven i think seven's about fair um and it it could have been so much more you know with those two wins but obviously within those two games maybe we don't go to luton and win one nil and ifs and buts in it but I think one point that I'd like I think is worth raising and it's come to light following the Millwall game but I've also seen a bit before the Millwall game about it is the substitutions I think for the most part for me anyway I think they're questionable but I, I do think that's down to a lack of actual quality and depth in the squad more than anything else. Where, where do you boys stand on on the substitutions? I've seen some people saying it, it's almost like we, we make changes and the players don't understand what they need to do and we've just like fucked the game off kind of thing, which obviously isn't the case. But yeah, where, where do you boys stand on it? I think he's had a... And I have been critical, although I've said it on here, I've said it on Twitter, but I think he's had his hand severely forced with sort of the lack of depth in the squad because we've been saying this since, you know, the days of Alex Neal, really, that we severely lack of depth in the playing squad. And I was looking at our bench on um, Saturday at the Millwall game and apart from, you know, potentially Alvaro coming on for Brady and offering you um, someone a bit different on that left wing-back side, I'm not sure there's anyone you can bring on who, certainly form-wise, can really improve the starting eleven. I mean, he hasn't, Sean Maguire's not scored in the best part of a year, so you're looking at that as a striking substitution, Ben Woodburn. Club's obviously taken a chance on who in some games has looked impressive, but it's obviously he had to find the back of the net in the league. You've got Johnson who 
by all means, might well be off in the summer. Doesn't seem to be in Lowe's plans. I think he's really got his hand forced in terms of attacking changes he can bring off on, bring off the bench to improve the performances. Because sometimes a lot of clubs, especially with that five substitution rule, I thought at the start of the season it was massively going to benefit the bigger sides and you know, the ones coming down with parachute payments where they can bring on you know quality off that bench with five players worth. I think it's it's hampered us really because we just haven't got that quality there and other clubs have potentially got that quality to bring on and alter the game. Yeah, I think I think it, it ultimately does come down to to a lack of quality. I mean, you look at the Blackpool game, for example. You know, it, you know, it was it was really an injury that pretty much killed the game for us, wasn't it? Because we didn't really have the options. Um, you know, at the back, we probably played around with it a little bit too much. We spoke about it at the time, but you know, there are games like that where you know one injury and we completely collapse. There are games where you know try and change the game and it just not really especially the games in the earliest part of the season when we wanted to try and change it and get that win and a lot of the changes were kind of similar you know like for like type players um, and we don't really you know as Evans as Evans and Maguire you know kind of backup options really up front although to be fair Evans um, looked like he had a really good game on Saturday but you know in terms of actual options for a top six side you know they're not they're not really available to him, are they? I don't think either any of us are really expecting Maguire and Evans to still be at the club come the start of the season, were we? So the fact that, you know, with the injury to Troy as well, we're relying on him to come on and, you know, potentially play ninety minutes. You can see why it's potentially, you know, a weak area. Even if Evans has, you know, had a decent couple of games. That's why I think the break's good for us because some people may think differently, but I think two things really. One, I'm obviously Whiteman, he probably would have been back for the next game, but I don't think to play too many games without Whiteman is necessarily good for us. And and obviously Parrot. There's talk of him coming back directly after the World Cup. I can't see him coming back that quick, but you never know. Um but it'd be nice to have that extra option up front and probably good that we've got that bit of a break. And I think also as well, I think in the past, you know, we've got to periods in the season where we've been in a good position and a few injuries here and there in December. And we kind of collapse a bit when we have to replace the squad. So it's probably going to suit sides like us to have a bit of a break in the mid-season. Whereas, you know, in the past, we've kind of had to get by, you know, especially around that Christmas period where you've got got quite a lot of games and then you've got the FA Cup game. And then, you know, some, some seasons we've, you know, we've not managed to pick up a lot of points or we've picked up a lot of injuries. So, yeah, I think the break, break's much needed, I think, really. Yeah, I think that leads me nicely on to my next point as well which is injuries. Um, I think so far, we've largely been okay. And obviously we have had our injuries, but when I say we've largely been okay, I mean that we we seem to have managed all right when we have had injuries to perceived key players. So Troy Parrott, obviously Fernandez had that injury earlier on. Um, we've done all right since Whiteman's picked up his injury. And... I think most surprisingly than anything, because I know I was one of the big critics of his signing, not because I thought he was a naff player, because he clearly isn't, but Robbie Brady coming in in the summer raised an eyebrow, I think is a polite way of putting things, because you had Ryan Lowe saying he wanted robust championship players. When you look at Robert Robbie Brady, prior to this season, Robust isn't a word that you would have associated with him. Um, 
but he's played more this season than he has, I think, the last two or three seasons combined. And he's looked probably, arguably, one of our best players. All right, he's not scored, but who has, really, if we're being honest? Um, you can tell his quality, his quality's there, but he, yeah, like I said, he raised an eyebrow and he's he's sort of, and he's shown me and a lot of other other fans that perhaps questioned it that he can stay fit and I think that is a credit to Lowe because I think he's had to manage him um, and he's, he's done well with that well I mean not only that I mean he's been playing played a bit of the season you know in pretty much centre midfield which you know is is demanding in itself isn't it and then obviously at wing back although I mean he has been exposed a little bit at wing back hasn't he I mean I suppose there was the the penalty um, against Reading and then at the weekend he kind of uh, got slipped in behind, but but yeah, I mean, I agree. I think I think everyone were a little bit a little bit concerned. Probably thought it was a little bit of a I don't know another one of our punts that we seem to go for on players that are in you know like Wickham type scenario. Um, but actually, you know, in all fairness, it's proved out to be a really shrewd signing, and I think you know obviously he's got he's got an an, um, an option, haven't we? On him, I think so. so. You know, I think, think with him and Woodburn. Yeah, so you can definitely the Brady one will get will get extended if he stays fit. Obviously, I think as well. I don't know if you boys have read it. He's done an interview with uh, I think it's the Forty Two dot IE, and he's talked about his career and dealing with different things on and off the pitch. But there was just one line, and he and he said that now where he is now and the the like the headspace that he's in at the minute, he's happy. Um, and he was like that. I think being happy constitutes to enjoy my football more, and I'm not worried about other things, I'm not stressed about other things. And I think that's probably helped with keeping fit. So it's good to hear. Obviously, he's clearly enjoying it, and long may his fitness remain. Probably given us our biggest selection edict of the season, isn't it? Because we're in other areas, we've had ten to one standout play. You now your back three picks itself. It's Reese and whoever. He- Tends to play off since Parrots got down injured, limited at right wing back. But I think that sort of competition for that left wing back spot between Alvaro Fernandez and uh, Robbie Brady's been a really interesting one. Obviously, they both offer different qualities and they're both suited to different games. But I think probably the biggest testament you can pay to play to Robbie Brady is that for the large majority of the season, he's kept a player with Alvaro's quality out, which is, you know, testament to him, like I said. And that's why it's so disappointing that we, did, we don't have that option at the other side, you know, in terms of pushing. Um, you know, Potts and Brown's been out there. And we've got two quality players in that left wing back position, haven't we? Which, which for us is quite, quite strange. Um, depth so, for yeah. once, isn't it? Well, it's depth in one position at least. <laughs> yeah. Not sure, not sure how many others we can say that about. But yeah. um, who's been your player of the season so far? I think for me, probably not a controversial one, but maybe to some. Uh, I think for me, it's Freddie Woodman with honourable mentions and very honourable mentions at that to Liam Lindsay and Jordan Story. I know we've, not specifically you two, but we as a podcast have criticised them quite heavily in the past. Um, maybe less so Jordan Story, but you know, credit to them both. They've, they've come up trumps when we needed it this season. But I think for me, Freddie Woodman, it's just... It's comforting knowing that we've got a keeper of his quality tied down for 
the next two and a half seasons at the, at the very least. And, you know, he's a good age. Hopefully, barring any injuries, he's only going to get better. Um, and would he keep a clean sheet record this season? Well, not if they defend like they did at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Freddie Woodman for me. Where, where, where do you boys sit on that? Yeah, it sounds it sounds really like daft comparison, even though the two players who are certainly where they're playing now, I don't really want to see in the team long term because obviously we've had to sort of a lot more pragmatic than we'd perhaps like to be. But I think Liam Lindsay's been absolutely outstanding. You know, the tapes from S. Lindsay's come in and I I think it was after Derby away, I came on the podcast and when he got sent off again, I absolutely hung him out to dry. But I think he's been phenomenal. You know, he's a sort of real warrior at the back there, and he sort of heads it, kicks it. I think occasionally last few games he looked a bit dodgy 1v1 and when he's been exposed to pace but in terms of when he's got compactness around him and we're really setting up to his strengths I think he's looked phenomenal really and I think he you know, fully deserves the plaudits he's getting Yeah I'm still not I'm still not convinced I don't really particularly like um, that's, that's harsh I don't think long term I'd say I'd say Lindsay would be an option for us I just don't like the way we play <clears throat> because obviously I think we're overcompensating for the fact that I think I mentioned it before, you know, that Lindsay, the story to some extent, you can't really expose them too much. Um, so, you know, I think the way we played has played into the hands of of Lindsay in terms of he's made him look good. You know, is he, you know, is he going to win headers? Um, he's good round, good at defending the box. Um, so I think it's probably the way we played that's done it. I actually thought about this before and I thought, Everyone, there's not really been anyone who's really stood out. Everyone seems to have just played the same, really. I don't, it's very odd. You know, like last season, obviously, we started the season and you know Reese was scoring goals and um, and players were standing out. But I think I think I think I'd say I would agree with Woodman because I just think it's like the type of signing that everyone's been crying out for, um, and it's kind of set us up well for the future. And I think those early games where he was he was keeping those clean sheets, I think he was keeping us in a lot of games. And I'd probably say, I think, you know, even to be talking about a clean sheet record, I think you've got to give got to give him some credit. Um, you know, I think as good as Iverson was, you know, we weren't, you know, wasn't the same position, was it? But I think I think he's definitely strengthened the squad, and he's a real asset for us. So I think I'd have to agree with with you, Jake. I think. Yeah, what I will say on the clean sheet record is I don't think he will get one this season. He could, um, but it's unlikely because I think Carlo Nash holds it currently with 26 clean sheets, which is phenomenal, really, when you think about it. And uh, Has Freddie kept 11, maybe? 12? Yeah, he's on 11. So I don't think it's tw- is it 26 for Nash, is it? I'm sure it is. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Obviously, people listening to this will be used to me being wrong. Um, <laughs> it looks like, according to Transfer Market anyway, so don't quote me on this, Tepi Moylanen has the record with 25 in all competitions. Carlo Nash in the 05-06 season had 23. And then Declan Rudd in 13-14 kept 20. Um, then 15-16 was Pickford with 14. So... I mean, considering Pickford was only here for half a season, half a season, I think it was, did, it's immense, isn't it? Did Pickford not keep 
the record for the most consecutive yeah. clean sheets. Yeah, he beat... Um, he Was it like nine, nine or ten in a row that he got? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Freddie's on 11. So he's he's got a way to go to get to Carlo, Nash, Tepi, Moylan and levels. But, you know, for, for the quality of a keeper that Jordan Pickford was... And Dan Iverson. Dan Iverson got um, 14 as well in the 21-22 season. No, he's only three off that. You'd think he'd keep three clean sheets between now and the end of the season. So, yeah. Well, I think we've been forced, haven't we? Because we weren't scoring any goals. We've been forced to be a little bit more attacking. And obviously, you're going to concede, aren't you? What I would say that there's a concern for me in terms of our home form. I don't think we've been great at home, have we? You know, I mean, we lost again at the weekend. And the games that we won, you know, when, when we beat Swansea and then beat West Brom, you know, the, and then Middlesbrough, you know, like by one goal and not really, not really going out there and, and smashing teams at home, are we? Which is a bit disappointing considering the the attendances that we've been getting and obviously the season ticket sales. So I can't really work out what it is. I, I don't know whether it is to do with the fact that obviously we're forced to come out a little bit more at home and then obviously our defence is a little bit more exposed, whereas away we can, you know, literally just defend our own box and get away with it. I don't know. But going into the second half of the season, I'd, I'd like definitely like to see the home form improve. The games that stand out for me is the Burnley and Stoke ones where we just, you know, the, the Burnley ones stand out particularly with that passive where just, there was no press, was there? We just sat and sort of, let them play in front of us and around us. And I think, as I mentioned before, like the lack of injuries we've sort of picked up this season, I think are probably a massive reason for that compared to what we were potentially used to under, you know, King Alex was that, you know, he used to play a lot more of an intense sort of pressing football, whereas now we tend to just, I think we're a lot more passive, aren't we? We'll let the ball play in front of us. So I haven't seen any data to back, back it up. I'm sure Ollie will have it somewhere, but uh, I think we're, just, we're probably a lot more passive, aren't we? I can't imagine we're, you know, running nearly as much as we used to under, you know, previous managers. No, I don't think we. Um, I think Solly said it before on the podcast. I mean, you know, I don't. Sometimes we don't really do that much um, off the ball, um, you know, which is just you know we are pretty much a low block defending our own box, and you know, almost almost happy to have crosses in the box um, rather than actually going out and getting the ball. I think when you got a back three of Hughesy, Lindsay, and Story, they're all good in the air you know we we saw Andrew Hughes's record in the air when he was at fullback and now that he's moved inside it's certainly not going to get any worse um it's a funny one for me with the the style of football and the brand and all that because I, I feel like when he came in obviously there's that new manager bounce and the bravado and, and all that sort of stuff but I feel like he probably genuinely thought he was going to get backed with what he wanted. And this is maybe sort of skipping ahead a couple of points, but um, I'll ask the question and then we, then we can discuss it. How would you rate the work of Ryan Lowe and his staff so far? And I think for me, a key, a key point to acknowledge is his attitude change. Uh, around, who the hell did we play on TV? Reading. Oh, Reading. Reading, yeah. Around around the time that we played Reading, sort of like in the build-up to it, there, there was a noticeable change in how he was with the press, what he was saying, 
there were still the lowisms in there, the brand and all that sort of stuff, which I don't think is ever going to go away. But it was a lot more subdued and sort of came across as a little bit more realistic. And I think you look back to the start of the season and we mentioned the Rotherham game before, the Hull game, and the the Watford game, another one. I think that's one on the flip side of the coin where we probably got away with the nil-nil. I think he probably set us up to be a little bit more defensive, but didn't want to admit it. He wanted to sort of bang that drum about the brand and all that sort of stuff. And then has <laughs> probably been very aware of the fans' opinions about the lack of goals, the lack of attacking football. And I think that's forced him to come out and make us a little bit more attacking. Thus, we're conceding more. But yeah, I think I think his attitude change or his perceived attitude change just seems more subdued, and I think it makes him almost a little bit more relatable. I don't know how you two feel about that. I know we've criticised him on here before, and some aren't his biggest fans. Obviously, I said what I said after the Blackpool game. Um, very, uh, yeah, it's uh, not an excuse, but yeah, pissed. But yeah, I, I've been quietly impressed with the way that he, he's gone about making it more about the players and the achievements that they've made as opposed to him. You know, he's he's, he's praising them loads. He's saying the work the lads do, all this sort of stuff. And yeah, it, it's been it's been a nice change to have. I agree. I think the turning point for me was that after the Huddersfield game, we didn't fist bump the fans after that. I think the fans were sort of egging him on to do it. And I think it was the first time where he'd no, I was there and he'd sort of not fist pump the fans. He'd sort of gestured that it was about the players and sort of clap the players. And I think that was a turning point because I agree with you, Jake. Before that, I was quite frustrated by the constant talk of a brand and the fact we weren't scoring many goals and doing my head in, to be fair. But since then, he seems a lot more, like you say, relatable. And I think there's a lot more we can get behind like that. And obviously, look, he's been hung out to dry. I think our squad personally is weaker at the moment than it was at the end of last season. So... He's obviously had his hand tied and some regards into playing the brand. Obviously, losing Sepp and Archer without much replacement is going to really have you know, dampened the way he can play football. But I think you know, if we can continue with this, the attitude change and coming across a lot more relatable and praising the players, I think you know he's definitely a lot to get behind because he's still a young manager and it's probably the first time in his career he's really faced any sort of trying to think of it, any sort of challenge really. Because even though he would have been under difficult circumstances at times at Bury and had a lot of pressure at Plymouth, this is probably the first time he's faced adversity, a few fans getting on his back, a few times aboard, maybe he's not battering the way he wanted. So, you know, if you can learn from that and still be a young manager and come out better for it, just like with a young player, you've got to have patience. You know, I'm fully willing to back him, whereas, you know, if we're having this conversation a month ago, I think I'd have been very much sat in the opposite corner. I think we all were sat in the opposite corner a month ago. I think just before you come in, Brownie, I dare say a key point for... Ryan Lowe and probably his staff and maybe the players was when I can't remember who we played at home. He made two changes and fans started singing You Don't Know What You're Doing. And Sheffield it. United, it was. Sheffield yeah. United. Look at Alvaro off, didn't he? McCann. Um, I, I dare say that was probably the start of him maybe sort of thinking, mm, actually, do I need to reconsider sort of. Not everything. Obviously, he's, he's a football manager. He's not going to bow to fans and peer pressure and all that. But I think that might have been a point where he he, he maybe started to think 
twice about a few things and certain things. I think he um, he was riding a crest of a wave only at the end of last season, and then the club did really well to do a season tickets, and and it kind of you know the fist pumps. Everyone was loving that to start off with, but you know I think I've said it on here before. You know you can't. You have to back these things up, and eventually, people aren't stupid. You know, they, they realize that you know all this talk of you know playoffs, that type of thing. You know, it's which is very strange because usually when you're at club our size, you try and rein it in a little bit, don't you, and being a little bit more realistic. Whereas, I think low, and I think he probably may even admit this himself, got a little bit carried away. <laughs> um, you know, and a lot of the talk in the summer. You know whether it is for season ticket sales or, or whether you've just got to get that balance right, haven't you? Between trying to get everyone on board and take them on this journey with you, but also not being completely unrealistic when you you know you you've had the end to the transfer window like we have. So I think he's probably realised that it's not the way to go. Uh, and if anything, you know you tr- you want to be trying to slip under the radar a little bit. And I think a lot of the questions he was getting asked by the media were about the playoffs, were about promotion. And he was then saying, you know, we're just going to the old one. We're going to take it one game at a time and all that sort of stuff, which is definitely the right thing to be doing. Um, like you said, Brownie, for a club like us, and that's not to make us sound like we're a small club or anything like that. Although I will say, I don't think we are a massive club in this league in particular um well it's kind of been what we've been used to in it a manager sort of dampening expectations a little bit with maybe a sprinkling of getting giddy when the time is right and yeah like you said he was riding the crest of a wave and you know obviously we don't know conversations that have been had behind closed doors whether or not he thought he was going to get the players that he wanted he, he seemed quite sure that he was and then obviously the four never materialised for whatever reason um, and yeah it just without wanting to sound like I don't know maybe maybe we're lacking ambition it, that mentality kind of suits us if that makes sense yeah well I mean a lot you know previous managers are getting criticised for being negative and you know that type of thing but you know like I say, you can't just say stuff without being realistic because eventually it catches up with you. Um, so it, it suits us better to be a little bit more reserved um, and and not start. You know why add why add extra pressure to a bunch of players who who we all know. You know it's not the strongest squad in the league. Why add that extra pressure in terms of? getting them to get to the playoffs, getting promotion, that type of thing. When realistically, you know, if we finish top half this season, it'd be a good season. So, you know, I don't know. He's obviously that type of character where you stick a little bit of influence from Klopp and, you know, obviously because he's a Liverpool fan and he understands the importance of creating that bond with a fan base, which is fair. You know, I think that's a positive for him. But ultimately, you know, like I say, fans aren't stupid and you've got to get results at the end of the day. I think his response to Sean St. Ledger on Sky made me laugh. He went, is a top two a priority? I think he asked what he'd been drinking on or something like that, which again is a lot more of a, you know, side of a man is a lot more humble. Whereas, you know, at the start of the season, he might have said, you know, we're pressed enough and we can do whatever. But... My hero, Ledge. <laughs> yeah. That haircut, Jay. Yeah, that's fucking up. That. that jacket. <laughs> 
very <laughs> much of its time. That faux leather jacket with a hood. Half zips. Yeah. I, I had a t-shirt on with my name on it. It was from a shop in Ireland, I think. I used to love wearing it. Don't know why. It was a shit <laughs> t-shirt, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been nice to see the sort of <laughs> people will be listening to this wondering what we're laughing at. They'll never know. Um yeah, it's just been nice to see that sort of realization because you touched on it then, Brownie. I think, I think it did catch up with him a little bit. You know, results started to dip, and that's always going to happen in a season. You, I mean, I know, I know we've done it a long time ago, and I know Arsenal did it a long time ago. But you're never going to go unbeaten in a season, especially at this level. Um, and results will always take a dip. So it was. I think it was inevitable that things would catch up with him eventually, and. Yeah, it's just it's just nice to see that he's starting to sort of put the emphasis back on the players a little bit and and let the fans sort of praise them and and give them the plaudits when it's deserved and you know you want you want a coaching staff that is just going to go about the business, do what they need to do, and take the plaudits when the time's right. Seems to now be focusing more on being a manager rather than like a, a promoter, doesn't it? I think you you know. Reminded me of Eddie Hearn a lot, sort of in you know the postseason and coming into this season, but he seems to have definitely sort that out, which is good. Yeah, completely agree. Um, how would you rate the club overall at the moment? Then, oh, do you think we're heading in the right direction? Obviously, there's the off the field side of things. Well, we don't know, do we? I mean, we don't really know what what's going on half the time. Um, well, we do from, know that we're the... looking for somewhere in Preston to put a massive dome. Yeah, well, you know, are they? I don't know. Um, well, yeah, is is that just platitudes? Who yeah, knows? yeah. You know, there's a lot said. You know, if you say it long enough, people start to believe it. But you know, you've actually got to deliver on these things. But I think, I think for me, there's just still a lot up in the air in terms of you know, these are these are a group of people that were looking well that accepted an offer from somebody not too long ago for the club. You know, so. Whether it whether everything does Alleged, have its right allegedly, price. allegedly. Well, I think I don't, was, I don't think was there ever anything confirmed that it the was club accepted? said the club said they accepted an offer from somebody and it went into the next stage of um, oh shit yeah, yeah. yeah they did yeah yeah, 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 yeah so I'll it, take that back so it did come to the next and you know before our American friends started doing a Q and A on on Twitter which was interesting um, pretty much pointing out all the flaws of the club and saying what he'd do. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, this is this wasn't long ago that, that people were looking to sell, sell us. So, you know, there's always going to be that little bit where it is up in the air in terms of what is the real, what's the real plan for the club. And I don't think we know that. And I think until we get some certainty on where the club stands and what, you know, how it's going to look in January, um, you know, also we were looking to sell our well, you know, our top striker if you if you believe um what people say as well. So Well, I believe yeah, he's um the subject of a bit of interest for January as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's it's very much up in the air for me and uh, I think until we get that bit more certainty, I'm not particularly confident about about where we're heading off the pitch. I think people are getting a bit carried away after the three wins. Obviously, it's a good achievement and the best way to bounce back after a derby defeat. And we said off the mic that like, this league is mental. And it's 
it's always been a mental league, but it's outrageous this year. I think that the points gap between us and Wigan and one point outside the relegation zone is eight points. And that, you know, when after 20 games in the league, is it going to be that different? Is there going to be that much difference between joint six and the essentially the bottom three? And it's a crazy league. And I think, you know, I, the way I'm going to review it is presuming seeing us the mid-table team, which I think will finish. I don't think there's been that much progression, really. And there's an argument we haven't, you know, improved on the managerial front with Ryan Lowe from uh, obviously Frankie McAvoy. But I think, you know, the fact we can't even afford to fix the roof doesn't fill me with confidence for January moving forward. And then I, I don't even still, you know, selling the, like, the potential of selling Reese and the potential of, you know, the contracts winding down like we've got your likes of Whiteman, people like that. Obviously, love my hate and Liam Lindsay's going to be out of contract. Johnson's going to be out of contract. There's going to be a lot more money potentially freed up and, you know, considering we had a lot freed up in the summer and didn't really spend it, it seems to be moving towards cash neutral for a sale. I can't, you know, I'm not overly confident we'll strengthen the positions we want in January. Certainly not on permanence anyway. I think Lowe's already come out and said, hasn't he, that January's probably going to be loans. Um, obviously, don't know the ins and outs of the loan deals that we've done recently, but I suspect that will be because they're cheaper than permanents. It's so That's just so concerning for me. It's just so It's so short-term. Um, I think we we highlighted that in the summer though, didn't we? There's not like you look at different aspects of the club and you look at the playing side, the off the field side. Where's the long term strategy? You know, it's all right. People saying, "Oh, we're fifth, we're sixth, we're seventh, whatever." I think the the football on the pitch and and the stuff that the players and the coaching staff are doing can be good, and you can still be allowed to criticise the running of the club off the pitch because there's there doesn't seem to be any long-term strategy, no planning. How are we going to bring more income into the club? Are we just going to like sit by and accept that the Hemmings family are just going to have to lump up X amount of millions a year? Um, it just... It just doesn't fill you with any confidence for the future, really, does it? You're just taking it one step at a time, like one... One half of a season, get to the next window, hope for the best, get to the end of the season, hope for the best in the summer. Like there's no you're not looking at the academy and going, There's two or three good lads coming through, they're out on loan at League One clubs, League Two clubs, that you can potentially look at coming into the first team in the next eighteen months, two years. There's none of that. Um granted, we, we do seem to have a good crop of youngsters at the minute. Will they ever be ready? Who knows? The squad decays away, you know, every window it has done for a long time. I think you look at when Neil took over and, you know, after Neil's first season, you had a real crop of, you know, championship-ready good players and for whatever reason, you know, they left the club or left the club for not enough money. And for years we've been saying it, it's just not been replaced. We've moved strategies away from, you know, younger players to, you know, players who were, you know, workmen like mid-20s and, you know, the, the value of the players' squads decreased by the window and I've got no... As much as it worries me to say, I've no confidence that won't be the case this January. You know, I'm sure there'll be interest in Reese. I'm sure there'll be interest in Whiteman as his contract ticks down. So you're looking at another window where it's a case of, you know, trying to protect your biggest assets, hoping they don't, you know, naturally go to bigger predators in the league. And can I say that? Bigger predators in the league, and then obviously, mm-hmm. you know, just try to <laughs> replace. Why would you not be able to say that? I don't know, but like, <laughs> predators in the league, and then bigger, uh, you know, hoping that you know you're just replacing them with players on peanuts from lower league clubs who were just looking for the opportunity to get a wage at championship football, which is what's been the case for, you know, 
coming on five years now. On on the on the young players, and I know everyone likes to see a young player play. You know, it, 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 there's an ob- almost bordering obsession sometimes when it, you know when in reality these players have been proven just not you know over the years not good enough to play in the championship. You know, I mean, even when we're in League One, you know, you could get Ben Davies through and and, and Josh Brownell who were good players, but to, to throw people in is a little bit difficult. You know, Middlesbrough have got that Josh. Coburn out on loan at Bristol Rovers. You know, they're the type of loan signings you want for these lads, not like out to, you know, with all due respect, Warrington, Bamber Bridge, that type of thing. Lancaster City is another one, isn't it? They always seem to go yeah. to. So without some real investment in the youth team, you know, it's just going to be kind of the same old thing. And Lowe can give young players a chance, which is great, and he wants to chuck people in here and there. That's perfectly fine, um, and one or two may come off. But in terms of a long-term strategy, we haven't really got one, have we? You know, It's kind of, let's do it on the cheap, let's get them out to non-league clubs and just hope that you know they're going to be good enough, when in reality they're not. For me, the, the, the bigger concern is just that you know we've got people out of contracts in the summer, and if we're only looking at loan players in January, then a lot of emphasis on what next summer's going to be. It's going to be a really important summer to get permanent players in. Feels and like we didn't really every every week yeah, or yeah. every every few months, doesn't it? This summer's going to be massive. Yeah. This January's going to be massive. Yeah. And somehow we managed to get through without them ever actually being massive. Yeah, and everybody's disappointed at the end of every single one, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's um it's a skill I'd say. Well well done. Preston Northern Football Club. It's an acquired skill. I reckon it's even worth us having an academy, though, because if these players are coming through aren't good enough, and the Hemmings family are talking about, you know, trying to get costs down to make the club, you know, cash neutral, more saleable asset. If it gets to the point where no one's coming through these academies of a genuine first team threat, can they not just look at fucking it off? So surely that's costing you money. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's costing money to run the academy. I don't know how much it it'll cost a year, quarter of a mil, half a mil. Who knows? Um. But if if you're not getting any, if you if that's not bearing any fruit, then could that money not be better spent on the first team? It's about ten grand a week, isn't it? Half a million. So yeah, so it's probably what we play on average for a player, isn't it? So well, the talk of you know investing in the youth team and, and getting that you know increased academy status is not going to make the family money overnight. And I go back to it: this is a family that accepting an offer from someone not long ago. So th- there is just, I just don't see a long-term strategy because, you know, it's just, the club's obviously for sale, isn't it? <laughs> it's not, you don't have to be rocket scientists to work that out. So then to say that there's going to be investment in getting, you know, category um, two status and investing in this dome and, and stuff, you just can't believe it. It just doesn't, to me, seem as though that's going to happen. Is it maybe... Maybe there's something bubbling along in the background, and that again, platitudes—that's something they can say just to get get people off the back for a little while, in the hope that if there is something bubbling along in the background, it gets resolved soon. And it's like, right, see you later. Not our problem anymore. Well, I mean, I did think that initially of why the um, the fans forum was cancelled and stuff like that. I did think, you know, maybe there is something going on, but you know, I. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just I just think that all the messages are about cutting costs and, and that type of thing. So if that's the message, a professional football club that doesn't make that much money and you're cutting the costs of it, 
not exactly particularly exciting proposition, is it, for the next few seasons? No, definitely not. Um, surely players look at that when they come into the club as well. They've got offers from you know X, Y, and Z. Surely. I was just going to say that. I think you know you. We'll talk about January and what's to come and what's needed, but I think that would make attracting players, quality players, on a permanent maybe a little bit more difficult. Unless obviously there is something going on, and you can be sort of open about that and say, "Look, this is happening." Come and sign for us. There'll be new owners or whatever, investment, whatever it might be, if there is anything at all. But if there isn't, and you know, this cost cutting exercise that appears to be going on continues, then maybe loans is the only way forward. Obviously, you can't build a squad around loans, but it gets you through January to the end of the season, doesn't it? Well, Not all loans are going to be Cameron Archers, are they? Either you know, there's no guarantee you ain't going to be. They're going to come in and improve the squad. I think the two we've signed this year have done that, and the few we had last season by Josh Murphy have done that. We've used a low market well, but too much of a reliance for me. You know, you build the value of your, your assets through you know smart investments and occasionally you know stumping up money for players, and you're just not, not going to do that with loan signings. Where do you think the priority is for January then? Obviously, I think there's a, there's a couple of obvious ones, but is is there anywhere else that you need to? that you think we need strengthen or maybe a bit of wheeling, wheeling dealing needs to be done? A couple of players out, maybe to bring one in. Wouldn't be surprised if DJ went. Um, yeah. He's obviously one of the highest paid players at the club. Um, I was actually talking to a Blackman fan the other day, talking about how he was saying how they'd be gutted, well, they were gutted to lose Lennon and Nyambi and Rothwell in the summer. But, you know, actually for them... It's kind of obviously they've got a new manager, which which has its own impact, but it's allowed them an opportunity to kind of freshen things up when you might actually be kind of concerned about losing those players. So I do wonder whether the time is up for someone like DJ when, you know, it's time now for him to move on and probably for us to, you know, I know we've just talked about us not doing it, but probably invest and and, and use that money elsewhere. Um, so, you know, it may be a good opportunity. And also, you know, DJ's a player who's been around us with his club, We've not really done anything, you know. So to 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 lose him, you know, as much as a great servant he's been and he's been a top player, it probably would be the right time. And that's somewhere I would think that we would probably look to cash in on it if we could get an offer. And then I think it's probably only reliant on that, maybe a resale in terms of how we invest it and whether they are anything more than loans. Um, are you confident that any player sales would see that money? reinvested in the squad again because I think there has been a little bit of talk hasn't there whether it's from been from Peter or Craig Ryan whoever in in the past few months or in the summer window that any money coming into the club from player sales would be invested back into the football side I think we have heard that in the past over the years it's happened maybe to a small extent do you have any confidence that if that did happen, that it would be the case this time around? No. <laughs> I mean, well, well, do you? Do you? <laughs> no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you look at the time that Trevor was alive and we we seem to sort of fall into a pattern of one in inverted commas big sign in a window 
Ali McCann, Ben Whiteman, Emil Reese. All I believe I believe the three of those we paid about four million quid for. Um and that stopped since Trevor passed away. Uh, and I think I don't know if it was Ryan or Peter came out and said that those kind of signings won't be happening anymore. So that again it was low, wasn't it? Leads to the you're thinking, right, well, the cutting costs and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it does make you think that if we do sell Emil Reese for argument's sake for I don't know, five million quid, three million quid, whatever it may be. Is that money going to get reinvested? Or are the Hemmings family going to look at that as that's three or five million quid less that we need to put in to keep the club afloat this year? A tough window to buy in January anyway, isn't it, I think? I mean, obviously, usually the, the only signings they tend to make are ones where players are struggling at other clubs and need game time a lot of way out. But if you you know what to buy a player is, you know, not in the last six months of his contract and playing regularly, it tends to overpay because clubs don't want to lose the big assets midway through the season. I think it would be more realistic that they'd potentially hold on to the money because I think, you know, realistically, we're in no danger of going down. And me personally, I don't think we're in any danger of toppling the top six. So you could maybe let the ship sail just till the summer, really, and see what you can get in terms of cash flow then, especially if there is a sail bubbling on in the background. But Let the ship sail till the summer and then let it continue to sail. That's probably yeah. what will happen, but I mean, if there is a sale bubbling along, they might well, you know, hold on to that money and think we'd be better spending it in the summer when we can have a proper go at things. Just let it sail until it crashes into an iceberg. Yeah, it, there probably will be a bit of wheeling. I think there has to be, don't there? I think there's probably been probably one of the reasons why we didn't sign anybody before the end of the window is because we probably needed some out. So, be interesting. Um, and then you do wonder whether they then look at the renewing the contracts at the end of January for anyone that they want to. Do you think the issue with wheeling and dealing lies in that there's perhaps a reluctance across the league for other clubs to spend money? Um, and or, or maybe we just don't have players that other clubs view as assets that they want to spend money on. Um, well, Reese is obviously an asset, isn't he? Say Whiteman is, um, Woodman is. Um, when you're looking further than that, I don't know. Obviously, DJ, there will be someone who wants wants DJ, you'd imagine. You know, he's a good enough player at this level. And you do wonder whether it may, that may be Stoke. Um, and yeah, Brown, I mean, I don't know. Brown, I don't, I don't know. But we've probably not got that many assets really anymore. Um, we'd probably be commanding a little bit too much money for some of them, you'd imagine. State of some of the contracts as well, that, that adds into it even more, doesn't it? You know, Johnson, a player you're looking at getting probably five or six million for not that long ago, and he's got six months left in his deal. You probably, you know, I don't think we get close to seven figures. I think something that stuck with me since the summer when there was that rumoured interest in Evans from Wigan and Lowe came out, didn't he, and said he's going nowhere unless I get a million quid for him. Because I think, you know, you look at some of the players that. <laughs> we might look to ship off in January that have running the contracts are running down or that they're not playing as much, whatever it may be. Most of them, I don't think you're looking at them and thinking that we're going to get that much money that we can go out and reinvest it and actually bring quality back in. So I think that's maybe a little bit part of the problem as well. I think for the DJ one, it is more to do with getting him off the wage bill, I'd imagine. Um, so, you know, I don't think we can command too much of a... You know, and DJ will know all this. His agent will know all this as well. You know, so to be able to command a high fee for him when he's only got six months left on his contract, it probably is more to do with the fact that 
um in in a smaller way the what you know like when we got when we got Sinclair and it was kind of you know it was kind of a deal to get him off you know the, the wage bill as well at Celtic so I can I can see DJ going and I could see Reese going to be honest I think well, we've said it so many times on here before I don't think I think if Lowe had the chance for the right money he'd happily get rid of him and then you I, do worry don't you, you know? I don't know why I have a feeling that the, there's going to be quite a bit of movement in January, in and in and out, maybe mainly out, just because I think there's there's a few players that haven't got long left on the contracts, probably don't want to renew, probably want a new challenge. You know, you're looking at Sean Maguire in the summer. Um, I know his agent was calling around, sort of like April May time, different people, different places. Um. And obviously he got injured against Briggs, so never never moved on. But he's another one, contract's running down. Could see him looking for a new challenge in, in January. It's not the best window to be doing too much though. You know, like that the one when we lost Davis Pearson. Yeah. For like, sure. Around. I think we got like eight players in, didn't we? Yeah. But that that you know, we were all over the place after that, weren't we? There's a few players out of contract that we were playing as well. I mean, the likes of Lindsay, he's played every game this season so it's rather interesting to know if he's even though I said I think I don't want us to play with him long term I think he has done well with the system we've played if he's you know lucky rumoured to be on 15 grand a week I think that's a probably you know type of money you can say goodbye to quite happily and Ryan Ledson as well he's played a bit part player this season I don't think I would be quite disappointed if we renewed him the likes of Woodburn as well I don't think he'd be drumming up a lot of interest Chad Evans out of contract but I'd be surprised if he goes now, leaving us with just you know an injured Troy Parrott and Maguire and potentially of you know going Reese, and we could have a big turnaround. Greg, another one, he's out of contract in the summer. There's a there's a few that have come into a bit of form now, and if they keep that up through January, say it is the end of January that we're going to start looking at renewing players. There is a few that I think could earn themselves an extra year just because I feel like it'd be the easy option for the club to take. It's got to be careful, aren't we? Because this is how we stiffed ourselves in the past, isn't it? Well, I mean, we've got we've got Greg, Lindsay, Olusunday, Coulton, and you've got Ledson and Johnson, Brady and Woodburn have options. Adam O'Reilly, Amaral and Bennett, and then Evans and Maguire. So, you know, next summer we could really only have one striker if we if we don't sell Reese. <laughs> we could have none <laughs> if we do sell him. Uh, so a threadbare squad. Yeah. And then I think I think Johnson will go, but Ledson for me, I think I got a bit of criticism on Twitter for questioning Ledson. He seems to be a fan's favourite, but um yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Ledson. But yeah, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. And no matter how you look at it, whether it's loans, contract extensions, new players coming in on permanence, a lot of money needs to be spent. You know, yeah. it comes back to what we spoke about a few minutes ago. Are they just going to let the ship sail and just try and get by? Um, you know, whether they're actively looking to sell the club, whether there's something going on, whatever is actually going on, are they just going to let the ship sail until... We crash and burn, or until someone comes in and sort of takes takes the reins. It's yeah, 
<laughs> I just don't know. I think on, on, on the field, I think the way that this, I know it's not halfway through the season, but the way that this first half of the season's ended has probably perked a few people up, uh, me included. And, you know, credit to, to Ryan Lowe for that. He's, he's you know, we touched on it before, he's sort of become a little bit more subdued um, and just put the emphasis on the players, really, I think, more than anything. And, yeah, credit credit to him for that. Long may it continue, because this is a piss-poor league this season. And if, and it's a big if, we can strengthen in January. You know, who knows? I don't think we'll finish top six, which answers my next question. Um, but I think top ten would be some achievement with this squad, as it stands at the moment. Um, but where where do you boys think we'll finish as we head into the second half of the season? Do you think think we'll make the top six? I think 14th. I just don't think... I, it just depends so much on January to me. You know, you're almost looking at a completely different season with this break and, and January, whereas you know, I just... For me, I just don't have much faith in, in how it's going to go. So... Um, I don't know. I, I don't know where I think we'll finish because it depends how we look at the end of January. But I, definitely, if we manage to get a top half finish this season, I think it's been it's been a good season. Um, so, so yeah, I'm sitting few on clubs, the fence. A few clubs <laughs> in the bottom half, though, like you, you know, your West Broms, your Stokes, your uh, Coventry's down there, your Middlesbroughs. I think yeah. there's a lot of clubs down there who've had probably poor first half of the season. You, you would expect to kick on, and you know. You know, if we with the squad we've got, the lack of depth, are we able to, you know, keep it up for what's going to be a really condensed second half of the season? Obviously, you've got the January going on. I think it would be some achievement to get top half. I think we're in no danger of going down. That's clear to see. That's the lashes job. But yeah, it's fingers crossed. We can. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. I agree with you, but at the same time, you know, if a lot hinges on January, if we don't strengthen and we do pick up a few injuries, a few more long term injuries. No, there's only a handful of points in it at the moment. I don't. Before people jump up, jump on my back. I don't think we'll get relegated. I think we're more than good enough to stay in the league. But yeah, I, anything can happen. You know, you go on a, a run of poor form, and before you know it, you find yourself down there. Look at that season with Alex when we were heading into the January window, and we we're in the bottom three. You know, we couldn't win for love and money, and then. We brought in a few players, and we signed like Stockley and Potts that January. And uh, I think March time, people were talking about the playoffs. Obviously, it fizzled away, but yeah. um, you know, there's we're what ninth on thirty-one points, and we're gonna in twenty-second with twenty-three. So there's not a lot in it still. Yeah, massively. Huddersfield looks shy. I think they'll go, but then there's two places left in there to, that anyone could fall into. I think what I think the club people will come out and say you can't criticize the club you can't do this and that but but these are these are people's opinions you know that they do question it like we are doing now on this podcast and you, people may not agree with them but those opinions are there and it's up to the club to do something to change those opinions and get every, you know like I was talking about before about low you know trying to get everyone on the same journey on the pitch the club should be doing the same thing off the pitch, getting everyone galvanised and getting everyone together. There just doesn't seem to be, there seems to be a massive disconnect for me. 
Um, and some clarity on the January transfer window would certainly help. I think, um, you know, it's been a nice break now, but I think it would help for everybody to to feel confident going into January that we, you know, we could potentially do something, but it just isn't there. And it's up to the club to turn that round. Ryan Lowe coming out and saying it's probably going to be loans in January doesn't really fill anyone with confidence either. So exactly yeah that's what i mean um i mean equally at the same time i don't think you're ever going to get the club coming out and saying we're going to spend a load of money but i think there's a way to go about outlining your ambitions in january without saying that you're going to spend a load of money yeah definitely because we're back on what 10th of december is it away at rovers so you've only got three weeks really before the window opens um and you touched on it before, Brownie. It is, it is essentially like two mini seasons, isn't it? Because this second half of the season is going to be equally as congested as this first half. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I, I, I'd snap your hand off for a top 10 finish now. Why do you think England will get on? I have a feeling that we'll be really shit, you know. Yeah, I do as well. <laughs> I think we'll get out of the group because I don't think we can't not get out of that group. Yeah, fucking hell, it's... Oh, it's been such a miserable pod, this, hasn't it? I know. Imagine if you haven't won three on bounce recently. <laughs> well, no, to be fair, we, we were quite we were quite positive on the pitch. Yes, yeah, true, there, true. There are things there are things off the pitch that you just can't can't be positive about. But nah, um, well, some some people might disagree, but yeah. um, like you said, Brownie, they're they're the opinions of us three, and yeah, in terms of the World Cup, yeah, I think we'll get out of the group. It depends who who we play in the uh, in the first knockout. I mean, you know, if so we win, we win our group, you play second place, don't yeah. you? So, I yeah. So, yeah, um, I think it's the Netherlands group. I think is in that. Um, Presumably, Netherlands win it. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. You don't want to finish second. That, that, um, quite should be able to beat them still. I'm going to call quarterfinals. It's fair to Southgate. He's proven in the last two competitions that you know it's tournament football. It is. It is a little bit different, and he's. I mean, really, really pragmatic, but or just really quite dull I'm, I'm sometimes. Saying, but I'm saying I think we'll do really bad. <laughs> that group that the Netherlands are in isn't good. Uh, it's it's not the Senate. Obviously, Senegal are all right, but Qatar pants. Um, Ecuador. I'm not gonna lie. I know fuck all about them, but I'm gonna say the shit. <laughs> um, so you would assume that Netherlands win that group, and then it would probably you would you would you would say Senegal, but I guess it could be any one of the other three. Um, but yeah, in the first knockout, if you come up against Ecuador, Qatar, or Senegal, you you're gonna back England, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. It's after that when you're playing probably the other great winners, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um Kane's gotta stay fit as well, really. Yeah. Um, Do you think he'll break Gary Lineker's record of ten World Cup goals for an England player? What's he on now? Six. He got yeah. a golden boot at the last one, didn't he? Oh uh, yeah. With that yeah. Incre- like. incredibly lucky goal that um was it Ruben Loftus cheek? Yeah. Had that shot and it pinged up off Harry Kane's ankle. He's got about three penalties that tournament as well, didn't he? Yeah. We were like set pieces and penalties, weren't we, that tournament? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
I don't know. I, I don't think we'll win it, but no. I think we'll probably quarters. We might we might get another semi, but I've had plenty of them. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, what are you saying then? Semis, quarters, quarters. final, win it. Semis. Sam? Uh, I'm going to go quarters. I think it might be a bit of a reality check for us. But... Yeah, we weren't great, were we, in, in the build-up? We weren't great. We were losing games left, right and centre, weren't we? Not won a game since Marcus Rashford last played for us. Mm. Read into that what you will, boys. Starting off. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's true, but I'll probably get proven to be talking shit again. Um, yeah, I know I've just said I think we'll do pap, but actually that that little talk has uh, given me a bit of confidence. I think we'll I think we'll get to the semis. Would that be success, Jacob? A semi final? Um, I'd say so. Back to back World Cup semi finals. Yeah. Given I don't think when did when did we last make a World Cup semi? Was it 2019? No, oh, well, before 90, that. Was it, 90. was it 90? Yeah. Yeah, so two World Cup final, semi-finals in consecutive World Cups when we'd not made one for 18 years. Is yeah. I'd say that's relatively successful, but other people will probably disagree. Uh, it just touched yeah. us for the first time in a while as well, didn't it? I think going into the 2018 World Cup, we didn't know what to expect. Euros was a bit different, but I think, you know, we probably are going into this as one of the favourites. So, see how that plays yeah, out. It's yeah, it's a different expectation, but then, like like you said before, you, you lump in the fact that we've not really been playing well and getting the results in the games that we have played. It adds, I think it adds a little bit of pressure. Yeah, true. True. Yeah, boys, thank you very much. Uh, we're at the World Cup break. Enjoy it. Let's hope that England do do well. And... Yeah, obviously, if you're of an English persuasion, that is. Um, I'm sure any Welsh listeners or Scottish listeners will not be uh, hoping for England success. But yeah, boys, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, thanks very much for your time. I'll speak to you in a few weeks. Pleasure. Cheers.
that things might 